0: for 20% off. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Michigan Wild podcast brought to you by Lake State Land Co. If you're looking for uh, your little slice of heaven, a new piece of property, whether hunting, farming, agricultural, rural lakefront property. Be sure to check out the folks over at Lake State Land Co. Help you get into the piece of property of your dreams. Um, the The team over there is a, a group of, of trusted Michiganders who have spent their life in the outdoors and can really help make the whole buying or selling process uh, much easier for you. So be sure to check out LakeStateLandCo.com. All right. Today on episode number one, of the Michigan wild podcast. We have Nick Otto and many of you Michiganders that know or are familiar with Nick. Uh, he hosts the hunt of war podcast. Um, Nick is, is a native Michigander. As I mentioned there, um, Nick is an educator by trade, uh, a wild game cook, um, by night, I guess you could say. Um, Nick's just a, an all-around outdoorsman, um, however you want to kind of look at it. Um, the The Hunt For podcast that Nick hosts is also uh, part of the Sportsman's Empire uh, podcast network that this is airing on. Uh, but Nick and I really get to just have a, a great conversation about you know, a lot of things, Michigan and, and deer hunting and really cooking wild game. Um, any of you that follow along with Nick know um, about the the creativity, the the very cool, um, what look to be delicious meals um, that he's preparing, all using wild game, uh, wild mushrooms, you know, anything that, that he can find. Uh, we get to talk about Nick's upbringing um in Michigan here and and how you know he got started in the outdoors what uh what that looked like for him and we get a get a chance to do a little rapid fire question uh qu- rapid fire questions um kind of talking about some of his his favorite dishes his least favorite dishes um that he's made and and really just uh have a good conversation all the way around it's a great introduction um, to what you can expect to hear on the podcast going forward. Um, just regular people here in Michigan uh, that are doing some really cool things that uh, we just want to share their story. So episode number one, Nick Otto. Enjoy, everyone. All right, Mr. Nick Otto, a.k.a. The Huntivore. Welcome to the podcast, man. How are you? Oh, Doing well, Marcus.
1: Doing well. I've got a belly full of... Uh, I went with um, neck fillets uh, okay. tonight. So pulling out, getting deeper into the freezer as summer's coming to an end and the selections going down as far as cuts that are available. So I went neck fillets and I, they turned out awesome. Just a indirect cook on the grill. Getting them up to, I got them up to like 105, 110. The wife likes some real pink on the inside, uh, going rare. Uh, then I moved them over onto some uh, hot charcoal, give them a good sear. And serve those up tonight, and yeah, bellies are full. Kids went out on a gator ride tonight, and I think they're already getting ready for bed. So it's a good night tonight.
0: Yeah, that's a real good night. Feed them, feed them well. Get them outside. Let them, uh, you know, burn off some of that energy from dinner, and then yeah, put them to bed. Put them to bed happy. That was uh, always one of the uh, the tough parts. So I have I have two young kids as well, and that post dinner energy rush. Trying to figure out. What's the best way to kill an hour but also have them kill whatever uh excess energy that they may have floating around from the day? Yes,
1: yes, fresh air is always a good fix for that, but at the same time it's got to be directed. I've got my middle boy who he runs on chaos where if like when he wakes up in the morning and he walks out into the living room and there happens to be people awake. His, his thought process is not, who can I say good morning to? It is, how can I get them to react? How can I get them riled up to come chase me, to come do whatever? And that, yeah, he just, he brings an element that is difficult to handle. So yeah, as soon as you get him afterwards, everybody starts settling down, you gotta really focus on that one. Like yeah. get him, put his show on, make sure he's sitting on the couch by himself, He's got to simmer down otherwise nobody's going to bed.
0: Yeah. Well, Nick, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> we kind of we got to chat for a few minutes here before we started recording, but starting this this new podcast, Michigan Wild Podcast and and having a familiar face, I mean, we've exchanged messages kind of uh, shoot probably since I joined the network just, you know, whether it's on, you know, Instagram uh, stories or posts or stuff like that, we've had some back and forth, but then, you know, obviously being both on the Sportsman's Empire and having a chance to kind of um, you know, get to know each other a little bit through our, our, you know, kind of team meetings, let's call them, uh, and whatnot. It's, uh, it's nice to break into this with, with someone who, you know, not only, uh, do you know, but, uh, is also a, uh, fellow brother of the sportsman's empire. So, uh, I'm excited to have you on, man. I really am.
1: Yes. This new project too, of Michigan wild. Um, as we were talking Michiganders, I, I feel like, I mean, we're a we're a proud people. We are. We, we really hold our heads high. Um, at the same time, we don't need to flaunt a whole lot. And I I look at the results that we have probably one of the states that is least sought after for big bucks. But at the same time, big deer are falling every year. Oh, yeah. And people are finding them because of the hard work that they put in and the skill that they use. And I would say probably of the 50 states – we're right up there probably top five with the amount of venison that we consume we really enjoy uh our natural protein We love to utilize the hunted flesh that we've gone out and gotten I mean shoot the two guys that are big right now originated from Michigan we're yeah. looking at um we're looking at Nugent and we're looking at Ranella two big names they they came from Michigan so we've got a great. Heritage here in Michigan. And I think, like, yeah, we need a specific podcast on the nation just about us, just about what we do.
0: Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, here it is. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're absolutely right there because, you know, I think about, you know, where I grew up. And I think, you know, you and I grew up in very similar areas, not in terms of geographically, but the upbringing, uh, you know, what was around us, you know, small town, you know, small communities um, things like that. And, you know, hunting was, I mean, it was something that, that we started at a super early age, right? Like, I mean, just, I, I, everyone in my community did it, but going back to what you said, we did it because it was how we ate, right? Like that was, that was a way to get you through winter, you know, hopefully to, to the following season, um, you know, whether it was, you know, deer hunting, whether it was, you know, come fishing, come spring and summer, you know, stock in the freezer for a full full of, you know salmon or walleye or a bunch of panfish. you know whatever the case is and and that was how you ate and i think that well not i think i know that as i was growing up i certainly took that for granted right you just that you just kind of thought like oh this is how it is right like we've always got you know we've always got venison we've always got fish and then you get older and whether you've moved on and now you're kind of have to fend for yourself when it comes to to these wild game uh cuisines you're like oh shoot well this isn't just uh how it is like you got to go out and put in the work right and you know when you're young and you know with you know relatives and grandpa or dad or whatever it uh you've always got someone to kind of lean on right and then yeah you've got to you got to fend for yourself and and do it on your own at some point and i think that you you gain a much greater appreciation for it later in life like like most things i suppose absolutely i i got to
1: I came in as actually an adult. I didn't start seriously hunting and fishing um, until I was out of college when I got my first uh, career career job as an educator that I actually had this so-called free time. Like, oh my goodness, now what I do with myself uh, in the evenings. This was before kids, obviously, because yeah. now free time. What's that? Yeah. What's that? Um, yeah. <laughs> but growing up, I mean, I was always outside, but that idea of like, uh, chew sticks, summer sausage, having venison. That was at somebody else's house. Uh, my upbringing was on a poultry farm. And the my sports of choice really just kind of condensed right there into fall. So I was wrestling there in the wintertime and fall time. And at the same time, I was uh, on a turkey farm where Thanksgiving's a big deal. So all hands on deck there at the farm. But just like you said, I got to a point where now I have a wife. I have... A livelihood and now I need to provide Mm -hmm. and that's where we were looking at the meat that we were bringing into the household yeah we're eating poultry we're eating turkey from the farm because we know how it's been raised we know how it's been handled but then the same point it was like shoot if I'm gonna if I'm gonna buy beef this is gonna be a lot of money this is gonna be a huge investment can I do that economically by buying a, a whole cow yeah but is that going to be something that's sustainable? And now when I look at it as venison, I find that being able to hunt and go get a deer or be able to get, put a couple deer in the freezer is such a sustainable way. For even somebody on a shoestring budget, I got to get a couple tags. And if I can handle the processing on my own, that's a, that's a couple hundred bucks I'm saving right there. Oh, easily. I'm easily walking away with a nice freezer full of meat that's going to last me all year. And it's with a hobby that's going to get me to practice, uh, whether it's going to be marksmanship, whether it's going to be archery, it's going to get me to basically not sit on my ass on the couch. <laughs> so being able to walk up and put myself to use like that, that I feel is just something that's so enriching and sustainable when it comes to my livelihood and my children's livelihood.
0: Yeah. No, that, that's very well put. So <clears throat> kind of talking about the, the feeding your family and, and having that, um, you know, that sustenance, you know, right there in your own freezer. Tell me about the Hunt of War podcast, because for for listeners that are, are new to the show, likely from Michigan. So they, they very well could be familiar with the Hunt of War podcast. But tell me about that, you know, how it got started and all that good stuff.
1: Hunivore is really a combination where I was thinking, actually I thought about it while I was cutting the grass, is the idea that I'm, I'm not just a carnivore because you're going to end up eating uh, plants, you're going to be foraging at certain points, but the idea that I'm taking Locovore one step further. Locivore is where you get and try to at- obtain all your food within a 100-mile radius of where you live. And by the idea of that is, you know, you're saving on fuel that's been put into those those vegetables. So there's not a truck that's getting that across country. You're getting from you're saving fuel. uh, You're helping out local farmers. You're helping out local ranchers. But at the same time, you can have a relationship with these folks and be able to know exactly how your stuff was raised. And so stemming off of that idea, taking it one step further well, shoot, now I'm going out and I am acquiring that animal. I'm acquiring that forage one step over and being able to then take what I would normally have to go to, well, this is a Michigan podcast, go to Meijer, <laughs> because everybody <laughs> knows what Meijer is. Uh, instead of going to Meijer, which happens to be you know a great grocery store, but at the same time, I can save money there and put that into something else by being able to provide protein. And so that's where kind of my, my first idea was with it started, but huntivore is just that idea of man. I've been given this awesome blessing of protein or of mushrooms lately, or of fish or whatever it is, and I want to make sure that I uh, serve it up to the best of my ability. And that's twofold: one for um, bringing respect to the animal. We want to use as much of that as possible um, to give, basically, give thanks to that animal. But at the same time. I mean coming out with with venison that everybody's turned off to be gamey or even that if they look pick up a pick up a mallard duck and they're like ah duck smell or duck tastes like liver and it's it's not that way it can be amazing fare it's you have to do a little bit of research on it so if you're sick of mushy salmon if you're sick of livery ducks if you want not dry pheasant like all it takes is a little bit of research, maybe a little bit of listening to the Hunt of War, and go. basically applying that into how you serve that up. And ultimately, we're going to then bring wild game to the next level. Can it be fancy? Yes. Does it have to be? Absolutely not. Tonight was just that. It was just on the grill and served up on the plate, but it was just mm, the way it should be.
0: Yeah. And that's. Let me ask kind of a follow up to that. So you mentioned the. Uh, sometimes people often say that like venison for example is very gamey so they don't like it what do you say to someone who you know you you know you you have some friends over to the house you know you cook up you know nice big long log of of backstrap or something you slice that thing up just you know paper thin and you're just serving it out and someone goes uh this is gamey i don't like it right even even though you and i both know that's not the case what do you tell them first off um
1: Even before they've told me it's gamey, you kind of got to know your audience a little bit. Yeah. And so I ask people when I'm serving venison, and they've not been used to it, it's, hey, have have, have an open mind. I am putting the utmost care into this. I want you to taste it. I'm front-loading telling them (laughs) this is not corn and soybean fed. Well... Maybe they are because they Maybe. are this, right, this, right. I mean, <laughs> but at the same time they browse, they're all over the place. So is this going to taste like beef? No. And to front load that and tell them, hey, this is going to taste different, but I want you to I want you to enjoy this. So when they do give up to there and they're like, mm, like I don't I don't want to. It's gamey. It opens at least opens up the door to be like how have how have you had venison well you know my uncle jerry he uh he used to throw this on the grill and cook it all the way through till it was gray and it was like shoe leather and it's like you know what uncle jerry is a great guy but at the same time he doesn't know how to use his weber grill (laughs) let's let's open this back up again let's let's show you what we know venison to be so making sure that i front load that to say this is not going to be beef this is going to be venison this is going to taste different and that's where you're going to throw that word gamey in try to avoid gamey try to find the nuances and at that point you might even turn a few naysayers into people who then want to enjoy venison
0: yeah i mean that's the thing is uh, you you hit the nail on the head there talking about having an open mind because if someone comes into the conversation with this preconceived notion that I'm not going to like it, it's it's going to be gamey or it's going to be tough, whatever the case is, then you, you have to it, it you met you have your work cut out for you. I guess is a good way to put it. Because short of them, you know, just trying it again, like it's going to be really hard to change that that perception. And that's one of the things that I try to to do the same thing on my end. When, when introducing you know wild game to friends that that don't hunt that that don't ever get a chance to really eat is like it's all in the preparation and that's one of the things that i i love about you know especially the stories that you're putting on instagram the posts and the conversations that you have with your guests is is the preparation because you know i'm i'm guilty of from a, a wild game standpoint like i've got your you know i take your basic cuts. Um, I, I, cook them, you know, the, the way I would like them to, you know, pink to, you know, it's called medium. Yeah. Probably medium is probably where I like most of my, my red meat, but you know, don't go overboard on the seasoning, you know, salt, a little salt, a little pepper, a little garlic and, and boom, away you go. Right. But what I like is, is you take all these kind of, I don't even want to call them throwaway cuts, right. But cuts that a lot of people aren't utilizing and you're turning them into like these amazing cuisines. I mean, I think I saw what you have, like shredded venison taquitos or something like that the other day. Like it's just something that I wouldn't even think to make. But where does, I don't know if like inspiration is the right word, or where are you getting the ideas to make some of these meals?
1: Well, now that I'm no longer having to cut weight, like I'm letting the fat kid in me really <laughs> shine. And I I find things that like really taste good or things that really excite me whether it be through Instagram, whether it be through an old cookbook, whether it be through um, something I have at a restaurant. And I think about what what cut do they use for this? And then there be, kind of becomes an alchemy where now I got to try and do that with a piece of venison. Um, understanding the musculature and understanding how each of those muscles works helps you translate that into how you should prepare it. So for the sake of something like shredded, like I made those taquitos or something where I'm going to be able to make barbacoa, which just happens to be one of my favorite things to make out of shoulders, that there's so much connective tissue. There's so much, I don't want to say, oh, it's silver skin. There's silver skin in there. There's connective tissue. There's so much gelatin that's available. That shoulder needs to be low and slow. It's going to be a barbecued cut, whether it's going to go on your smoker for a long period of time. Whether it's gonna go into a Dutch oven, into the actual oven, or whether it's gonna be in your crock pot. I mean, that's the Midwest staple right there. Yeah, Throw that on the counter. (laughs) But by applying what I know from that cut, knowing that it's hard worked, everything close to the ground, the head and the hoof, once you work away from that, things start to get more tender. But if it's right there close to the ground, say the neck, say the shoulders, those are going to be great braising cuts. So now you throw those in your crock pot. I have shredded venison and I've seasoned it with, you know, maybe it's a Mexican seasoning. Maybe it's straight, just black pepper and garlic and salt, whatever that is. I can then apply that into any sort of dish that I want rather than pigeonhole myself to say like, well, this is the only way I've known it before to use it. Like you can take shredded venison and go a hundred different ways yeah you can take ground venison and i mean i know burgers are a staple chili's a staple but there's a hundred things that you can do with ground even it doesn't have to stay right there in stuff that we're we're pigeonholed in yes it's comfortable but if you never get outside your comfort zone where's the excitement in that yeah now i find excitement in the kitchen yeah i find excitement in there I mean, I'm going to do my best if, you know, <laughs> I've kind of made a pledge to myself, whatever I make, whatever I kill and whatever I make, I'm going to end up eating. So even if it doesn't work out, like I'm still going to have to swallow it down. The dogs are going to help me with that. <laughs> and so believe me, there are recipes that go that route. But at the same time, it's just applying how that animal, what muscle groups you're using. And then that helps you apply it into a dish that you find. You see something cool on a reel from, from Instagram. Well, make a note of it and then take that and be like, well, what cut did that person use or what cut? How did it react? What did it look like? And then you can apply that right into your venison. So you kind of work backwards as you as you find things that you really like and want to explore.
0: Yeah. And that's one of the things that I never really thought about it that way. And it's a it's a very simplistic approach, right? Just understanding, you know, where the muscle is, how that muscle is being used and then go from there because I mean, that's after you said it, or as you were saying, I'm thinking to myself like, Oh yeah, like that's, that's a no brainer. Like, why, why would, why wouldn't I think of that? And yeah, the, that's one of the things that I think a lot of people don't necessarily take the time to do right. They, they get into the same pattern that like, I just mentioned that I was guilty of, of same cuts, you know, cooking everything a lot of the same ways, you know, grilling it or chili or burgers, you know, kind of the, the staple things. Um, I think from my standpoint or on my end, that's more of my audience. You know, I I have to, you know, you got to cater to the masses a little bit uh, in the household when you're cooking. Yeah. Yeah. If if mom's not happy, no one's happy. Right. So you got to make sure. But, you know, truth be told, I, I much prefer to eat venison over beef just in in almost every scenario. Um, I mean, unless it's, you know, like a really good fillet or, or something like that, but even, you know, a good fillet and a, a good chunk of backstrap, I mean, six, one half dozen the other, right. As far as what's gonna, what's gonna taste good. And I think what maybe puts venison over the edge is knowing where it came from, how it got to the plate and and the whole backstory, as opposed to, oh yeah, I went to the meat market and, and you know, grabbed some nice fillets off, you know, off the shelf or something like that.
1: Yep. Um, and it even, as you as you work away from backstrap, as you work away from filet, because people talk about filet on beef being, like, the end-all be-all. Mm-hmm. At the same time, what is the most consumed steak when it comes to beef? It's the ribeye. Wow. It's not the filet. The filet is, in my opinion, and in a lot of other people's opinions as well, the filet has less taste because there's less marbling and there's less work being done. It's a muscle that's kind of kind of stagnant.
0: Yeah.
1: Same thing with venison. Um, the filet, uh, or the tenderloin on the inside, absolutely super tender. And that if people are only focusing on tenderization at this point, yeah, it's going to be the most tender muscle. You can't beat that. But at the same time, you don't get that wild natural flavor that you do that's why people like that right off the deer because it's going to taste corn fed it's going to taste soybean <laughs> fed it's not going to have those other flavors that come out um my favorite cut happens to be the shank the thing that's okay. closest to the ground yeah the thing that does one of the most most work of the animal it helps propel it forward, but at the same time, the the uh, connective tissue, the sinews that are all there, once you've figured out how to get past them, and basically with that, you throw that in a crock pot for eight hours, and you just don't touch it. You let that thing go, and or the Dutch oven, and once all of that gelatin renders out, it works into almost thickening that broth, thickening that gravy. The pieces of meat are super velvety. And when you eat that, it's a flavor that you cannot replicate in any animal. I don't care how much time you spend in the feed. I don't care if you go and even go to the lengths of buying uh, mutton or sheep or goat. Like, you're going to get a little bit closer. But that rawness, I don't want to say rawness, that uh, wildness that you get off that meat, is it cannot be replicated. And that is something that, you know, I look forward to that time and time again as shanks is one of my absolute favorites. You almost have to wait till wintertime in order to do it because it is such a long cook and it's a filling meal. If I were to have that now, oh it would just kind of ruin your night because now you're not moving anywhere. Yeah. But at the same time, like nothing warms your soul more than just a wild piece of venison. And I say off a shank that's done the most work.
0: Yeah. So the cooking aspect of things, Nick, is that, I mean, is that something that, that you've always enjoyed doing? And then just as you got into hunting you just kind of combined the two passions or was it something that after you started hunting, you started just, you know, becoming more curious about and then just really kind of dove head into it.
1: I liked cooking, especially I liked grilling. Um, just working with live fire, uh, grew up camping as a kid. And so there was a lot of, we use a tripod. And so it's basically just a hanging wire, uh, mesh that hangs over the campfire. And so, burning some wood down or using charcoal and then you know, making the, the foil packs or oh, yeah. making burgers or even bringing steaks and just working with a live fire aspect growing up. I really just enjoyed that. And I loved getting the grill marks and getting uh, the char on there and really trying to like play with different seasonings that were on that. And then working with that grilling aspect, I was really enjoying the idea of, of, of reaching out, trying different cuts, trying different animals at that point and then all of a sudden the hunting opportunity fell in my lap and at that point I haven't looked back it's actually accelerated my joy of being in the kitchen that it's not just a place to be barefoot and for mom to take over you you bring her the process cuts and then you go back to sit sitting and watching and football, I want to <laughs> be fully invested with that animal that i brought in and so now there's a weight to it and i really enjoyed that so kind of just coming off that live fire action and then walking it right up to now i'm pulling things out of i mean shoot my five acres over here and being able to then bring in uh an animal that i butcher myself and that i can now work on cutting up each of the pieces and using each of those uh in a different dish it really does it fulfills me and brings me a lot of joy
0: yeah no that's That's, uh, that's what it's all about right there is, is really, uh, appreciating, you know, everything that, that comes with the entire process. Now, I'm going to ask you a question here that I feel like has probably started more than one fight amongst friend groups here. And that (laughs) is charcoal, wood fire, pellet, gas. Like, are you, are you open to all of them or are you like staunchly in the corner of, you know, charcoal or wood fire, or where do you where do you fall in that line?
1: I mean, what did you call it? You called it a pellet grill? Yeah, like like a
0: Traeger or something like oh, that. Okay,
1: shoot, because I thought those were just grown up easy bake ovens.
0: <laughs> okay, I see where this is going. <laughs> I see where this is going. <laughs> oh.
1: Okay, now that I've let that out, <laughs> I already feel heat coming. I. <laughs> I am open, here's the thing too, is it's, this is that thing, this is a Michigan podcast, this is like East Lansing, Ann Arbor coming back together. Like, we are going to fight each other because we've been grown up. This is Ford versus Chevy. We are going to butt heads, no matter what style of cooking it's going to be, no matter what's going on. I as I, I lean green and white. So anybody on the west, the east side of the state, I am going to try and find a way to put my dig in, all right? (laughs) And I know the so-called big brother is going to do the same thing. I just anticipate it coming. But when I say that is that here's what I want to say about uh, each of the cooking methods is that whatever is getting a guy to try something new, whatever is getting somebody to use the shoulder, to use the shanks, to use that god-blessed piece of venison that they've been given that that's going to make me happy if you've got a bang bang out great recipe that you do that pleases your family and friends on the tragger absolutely do it and know that i love app all of it but i am going to try to put my slide dick in there
0: every once in a while i mean the easy bake i don't know that i would call that a slide i mean you kind of came off the top <laughs> rope with that one like let's be honest here nick yeah
1: <laughs> But it works. Um, what was the meme that I saw? Oh, we lost power here. Uh, uh, it was last year that we lost power. And my friend, actually, at that point, he had just gotten the travel or the, the tailgater version of the the Trager. Okay. He was very excited about it. And I sent him the meme of, I, it's just a guy, stand, oh, no, it was um, Forrest Gump just standing in the dark room like he couldn't do anything. And I'm like, this is every pellet this is every pellet grill griller right now with the pot like you can't do nothing. Cause you plug, you got to plug your thing in. Um,
0: and I'm, but it, go ahead, go ahead.
1: Um, you know, I, I lean towards for myself personally, I love charcoal. I love playing with, with charcoal, whether it's lump, whether it's briquette. Um, I really like that idea. There's a nuance to it. There's time that's invested into it though. Um, and so for, if I'm doing something quick, I'm going to go over to gas, um, I actually got one of the 22 inch, uh, black stones that I've been playing with. And so I really like that for like burgers and dogs, super fast. Uh, when it comes to, I, if I got to feed a whole, whole gang of people here, um, as quick as I can that you can't beat how quick that is. But if I'm going to do a steak, if I'm going to do uh, a roast, or if I'm going to, I'm going to try to smoke something, I'm going to go over to the charcoal and enjoy that.
0: Yeah. Have you seen the, uh, the birch barrels before? Um, the it's, I guess you can kind of use it as either like a charcoal grill or a wood, uh, wood burning grill. Uh, but essentially it's, it's, it's a barrel. Um, but you can, oh gosh, I don't want to like butcher this because um, I've had him on my other podcast before. Um, but you can like raise and lower the lid to, you know, cook it on direct heat, indirect heat. It's on like this big tripod, super slick apparatus. Really. Uh, I didn't know if you had, if you had seen that before, or you know, what your thoughts were on that. I had
1: just um, saw it on the reel, I believe, and it looks like, it looks almost like, uh, if you've heard of solo stove, it almost yep. looked like a solo stove that was suspended or it was, was propped up, and then you can raise and lower the lid at that point. Or that is that the griddle then? You can raise and lower that away from the heat. Yeah, uh, yeah that's correct. Yep, yeah. Cool-looking apparatus. That is something that, I think would live in my camper would live in my camp set that if I wanted to try something out you know, where it's one of those things, that's a, that's an attention grabber. Oh that's yeah, That's something that I'm going to be babysitting. I'm going to be next to this thing, either basting something or yeah, like trying to do a low smoke on it. I, that looks, that looks super cool. And even the old school barrels where you actually make your charcoal fire on the ground, put the barrel over the top of it. And then you have the rods where you end up suspending your, uh, pieces of meat on there i think you can put a grate on there as well yeah anytime that i have to have the excuse like babe i can't go do xyz because i have to stand here next to the meat grilling because this is this is a job that entitle entitles me to really be focused on this i can't walk away Yep. as you crack another beer of course
0: <clears throat> of course well, i mean <laughs> that kind of goes without saying Any anytime you're grilling yeah that's especially this time of year i mean I try not to overindulge on the beers. I mean, it's just, it's too easy, especially when it's warm out, you're with friends, you're with family, you you know, get togethers, but man, it could be a Tuesday night. Oh yeah, we're going to cook something on the grill. Cool. And five minutes after whatever it is hits that grill, it's like, God damn, beer does sound good right now, doesn't it? And then it's like, well, you can't just have one. It's like a, you know, potato chip. You can't just have one. You got to go back for that second one. They're like, well, dinner's ready. I guess I'll have a third. I, yeah, it's it's a slippery slope, <laughs> grilling and drinking.
1: Absolutely, but at the same time, like that's I don't want to say that's what it's all about because it is it is more than that. It's the camaraderie, it's the hanging out, it's the just just relaxing a little bit. I mean, being from the great state of Michigan, we're home to probably some of the per capita the most craft breweries oh, in yeah, the country for sure. Shoot, Grand Rapids is Beer City, USA, home of founders and south of us is bells like of course we're gonna enjoy some beer so no i'm with you
0: yeah it takes
1: self-control and some days are better than others
0: yeah well i remember growing up and we would uh you know my dad or uh would cook chicken on the grill dad how, how do you know when this is done when i've had three beers i said well that doesn't like what if you drink one really fast and then you know another one slow he's like nope it's always three beers when i'm done with my third beer I know it's time to come off. When I start that third one, I know it's time to put the barbecue sauce on or whatever it is. And then when that third one's done, chicken comes off the grill every time. And I tried it one time. I can't remember exactly if it was done or not, but it's uh it's it's an art form. It is like oh, yeah. those uh, those old timers. They uh, they had that thing down to a science when I was growing up. Your old man has
1: the pace set. He knows not to drink too fast. He knows not to drink too slow. He can keep it consistent. Yeah. I have to go with the uh, internal thermometer. I live and die by the internal thermometer. That's going to be my key. Now, it's because, you know, well, probably the same thing with the old timers as well. They had us as little shits running around underneath their feet all the time. They had to find some way to stay consistent and you know going with the the beer technique I think would work. But yeah, today is now the twenty first century. Here we are in twenty twenty two. Just go with a Bluetooth uh, thermometer. That's gonna save a lot of angst and a lot of worries. I don't care what you're cooking, whether it's upland bird being pheasant, whether it's yeah, chicken on the on the barbecue, being able to see what you've got for a temperature and know when you want to pull it off, that's where it's
0: at. Yeah, that was a real game changer for me as well, was when I didn't have to like cut a chicken breast open to be like, Oh yep, it's done. Right. Like when you could start, you know, like those, uh, yeah, the instant or, you know, whether it's a Bluetooth or like an instant read that you can just stick in get your temp. I mean, it, it changed the game for me. I became like overnight all of a sudden I was like, Oh, I can grill. Right. Like because yeah. now that I know, <laughs> you know, you're not cooking for time or anything like that. Like you're cooking to a temperature, right? Like no matter what type of meat it is, you're cooking to a temperature, when it hits that desired, boom, pull it off. Or even a few degrees early if you're going to let it rest for however long. Like that was that was a game changer for me, absolutely.
1: Yep, there used to be the technique too, and I I tried this one before I had the thermometer, and it was the push test, yeah, or the touch test. And that was, you know, if you hold your hand and then you you press right next to your right next to your thumb, you feel how squishy that is. That's what you know what it's going to be when it's uh, rare. And then you, I think, oh, then you touch your index finger to your thumb, and then you feel your your fatty part next down oh, okay. down here in your palm. That is then uh, medium rare. And then you move to the next finger. And actually, if you hold your finger there, you can feel that muscle tense up. And so, like, when you get to, like, the ring finger, you're like, that's pretty much, like, medium well. And if you get to your pinky, you might as well just give it to the dog.
0: Yep. As you're sitting here talking, I'm sitting there like counting my fingers <laughs> and like pushing on them like, oh yeah, yep, yeah, no, that's pretty good right there. I'm
1: glad this is an audio podcast because yeah, we look like a couple of...
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like you said, it's a, it's an educational tool like the Hunt of War podcast, right? It's it's all about educating the listeners.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: All right. So, I've listened to, I listen to a ton of podcasts, whether it's outdoor related or not. I'm a big true crime podcast guy. Uh, it's just, it's super, and they pass time for me. And... What I hear with a lot of these uh, podcasts outside of, of the outdoors specifically is little sections, little segments, right? So, I thought what better way to, you know, kind of launch the the Michigan Wild podcast is we're going to start a segment. So, we're going to call this Fast 5. And what it ooh, is is just ooh, five like it. five quick questions. I don't want you to think you're just giving me answers. Whew. All right.
1: I'm not nervous. I'm yeah. not nervous. I, I can do this.
0: So they're all they're all going to. be... I'll, I'll prep you a little bit. They're all going to be, you know, wild game food related. Probably we'll stick to venison just because that's what we've talked about the most here. So one of them you kind of already answered, but if someone wasn't paying super close attention, we're going to ask it again. Okay. All right. Ready? Yes. All right, favorite dish. Favorite dish.
1: I am going to go with a Tuscan style asobuco. It is going to be braised shank in uh, a red wine probably Pinot Noir it's going to be heavy with pepper I'm going to be adding in whole peppercorns and I'm going to be adding in uh, ground peppercorns as well and then a load of garlic all of it goes into the Dutch oven it goes in for roughly eight hours you pull that out and I tell you what that is a spicy Velvety, warm dish—the Servan mashed potatoes.
0: That's a good one. Least favorite dish you've made?
1: Least favorite dish I have made. It would be. I tried to make, uh, I tried to make a Mexican dish, and I screwed up teaspoon and tablespoon. Ah. Very, (laughs) very early off in my culinary attributes and we had four tablespoons of cayenne pepper in uh some mexican shredded venison you could not crack enough eggs to dilute how hot this was (laughs) what's the craziest
0: dish you've made
1: craziest dish i've made the most creative oh boy flexing now i have going with my venison liver and onion mousse ravioli served with ramps and morels in a brown butter
0: sauce that sounds that sounds really good i'm gonna have to offline i'm gonna have to get that recipe from you, man because that sounds insane
1: get actually the mousse the liver mousse was actually super easy to make and it does involve cream it does involve uh brandy but holy smokes get ready for the flavor bomb that you have always been needing in your life it is not irony it is not livery it is it's out of this world and then you mix that with one of the michigan favorite uh mushrooms being the morel yeah it was it was a home run absolute home run
0: yeah what's your favorite cut favorite cut
1: we're going right back into the shanks. I feel it offers a ton of flavor. And when you cook them up either asobuco style, and when I refer to asobuco you're actually cutting them into rounds, or you can even use them in a whole shank. Just tuck them down into your crock pot, tuck them into your uh, Instapot or your Dutch oven, whatever you want to do with them. But I feel like the payout of having to cook those for a long period of time. Is just a taste profile you're not going to find anywhere else. And given that uh, right amount of uh, care and right amount of preparation, you can go a hundred different directions. Like I, like you said, taquitos. You can go Mexican style. You can go just shredded, um, and then add your barbecue sauce for sandwiches. Wherever you want to go with it. If you needed shredded meat, Shanks is where you need to go.
0: Most underrated cut. Most
1: underrated. I think I cooked them tonight. That is going to be the neck fillet. That is the continuation of the backstrap. So when guys make that cut at their backstrap and they then deemed the neck portion, the neck roast. If you follow that up through the neck, where uh, where you cut that muscle, you'll actually see where the backstrap peters out up into the neck. It does narrow down, but at the same time, it's that hidden gem that you can throw right on the grill cook it just like you would with a back strap it has a little more toothiness but you gain flavor in
0: that cut nick Otto, the first one of the first contestants of fast five well done man
1: thank you thank you
0: yeah round of applause everyone <laughs> round of applause <clears throat> so i don't know the exact release date of, of when this episode is going to be coming out sometime in september when uh when this launches the podcast itself launches but you know we're we're on the doorstep of uh deer season here in michigan we're gosh i think 45 46 days away right now when we're recording this something something like that but do you have do you have any big trips planned this year i mean is it just going to be local hunting i know you said you're an educator so obviously you know a month and a half into school might not be the easiest to uh, to get time away but you know do you have anything you're looking forward to
1: Oh, absolutely. Anytime that I can get out in the woods and just enjoy wild Michigan, whether it's my backyard, whether it's going off in the public land, like that is such a joy. Um, Whether it's being able to forage or even chase bunnies and squirrels, I just enjoy that so much. Um, This year is going to be exciting because I've got um, friends who have bought new property, and so it's like my first like quick in so i've already acquired basically being the front runner of the first hunter on these two pieces of property so i actually instead of having my own par- par- parcel i've got two others that i can join in so that's going to be fun to learn uh a new piece and be able to to try and figure that out this is also going to be the first year that i'm going to be heading out west um we're taking a stab at archery elk this year in Montana and we are just a couple weeks out from that. So the second week in September, um, me and a couple buddies, I think there's five of us total, uh, we're heading out there. We're going to try and do it DIY style. There we're you hunting go. from the truck. We're going to dive in. If it ends up being an expensive hiking trip, I'm okay with it. But at the same time, like I've already told them, I'm like, first one that walks out, I'm taking it. I've got oh, the yeah. general tag. Nothing is safe in front of me. <laughs>
0: well, that's, I mean, as much as as I think us Midwesterners want to think that, you know, if we've had some success whitetail hunting, that we're going to figure this, this Western style hunting out, you know, quicker than most. Right. I think that's, that may, I mean, that just may be a a male, you know, trait thinking that, you know, we're going to be able to figure something out on our own, but having those, those expectations or or having the understanding that, yeah, this could just be an expensive hiking trip, uh, you know, doing some bow walking, as I've also heard it referred to as, um, is probably good. But you definitely have the right attitude. First thing you see that's legal, it's going down because you're not driving 22 hours or whatever it is out there to come home empty-handed and say, "Ah, oh, well, I passed on like a raghorn or you know something like that." It's like, no, no, I'm taking what I can get. I'm coming home with more meat than I can handle.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. My wife has also kind of done the uh, the Spartan thing where it's like, you know, take your bow or come home on it, like, or, or bring your. <laughs> bring your cooler or come home in it sort of thing where it's like, there's got to be a return on investment here. If I smoke one, it's already three deer. Like the pressure is totally off when it comes to deer season. Like I might get a chance to really wait uh, for the big buck to come through rather than take the first thing here in Michigan. Um, But yeah, that's the big thing is like, I have no expectation. I know I got a job to do, but we're just going to have the time of our lives hiking up to to elevations I haven't been to in a long time. I mean, we don't get that here in Michigan. No. I've been trying to do as much cardio as possible, but I'm fully aware that my sea level butt is going to definitely pay for it when we're at five, six thousand feet.
0: Oh yeah. But I mean, that's there. You know that the beauty is in the struggle. It's in you know it's in it's in the journey, not necessarily the destination. And yeah, I'm definitely envious because you know, for the last, you know, by half dozen years, I've wanted to get out west. And it's just whether it's been work related. And now with, you know, with young kids, it makes it uh, even more difficult um, to get away, especially for an extended period of time. Uh, But no, man, I'm jealous for sure. Yeah,
1: we're we're taking it. And we're going to try and document as much as possible because I'm, I'm in the same boat. It's one of those things like things have lined up. And I'm even finding like things are now starting to try and get in the way there's these distractions there's these hiccups and you're like no stay focused not today Satan. get past yes (laughs) not today i am going and there's no and ifs about it so we're going to try and continue to stay the course and we'll deal with the repercussions when we get back
0: there you go so now speaking of you know local hunting season here in michigan are you kind of do you fall under the camp of you know it may be different if, if you're hunting close to home but you know for me And probably for a lot of guys, right, it's you unless you're you have access to property, let's say a half hour away or less. Right. Kind of out your back door, so to speak. Are you kind of confined to. All right. We don't have anything going on this weekend. I'm going to spend this weekend in the woods, regardless of what the weather is going to be like. This is my opportunity. I've got to take advantage of it. If I see something great, if I don't. Well, I mean, that's that's hunting. Right. Or are you able to you know, the weather looks good today, you know, cold front or, you know, it's the pre rut or, you know, it's the rut, like, and you can just, you know, kind of take your time when you need it. What does that look like for you?
1: It's, yes, there's a lot of plates spinning. There's the selection on when you want to go out, like you said, cold temperatures, right wind. Um, But at the same time, there's, hey, we got soccer games at 10 and 11, and probably getting out of those on Saturday morning is not going to be a good thing. Um, let's go for a Saturday evening hunt, yeah. and so you know, and, and look at Sunday. Like you know, I've been really consistent at church lately. Let's uh, let's take a Sunday morning, and we'll we'll commune in the out in the woods. There you go. We'll we'll meet there with the Lord, and then maybe pick up uh, Sunday evening church. But the idea is to be able to try to, you know, there's a lot of plates that are spinning. And so being very opportunistic as to what that's going to happen. And, yeah, I chose an awful timing profession. I wish I would have done, like, concrete work where you have the, low, the slow time in the fall. But, yeah. nope, here we're ramping up here as educators. So it is one of those opportunistic things. Um, really, my time clock also revolves around Thanksgiving and helping out. Um, with the family business, uh, right around gun season, right around things are like super peaking and hot. I, I got to take off that week. I just, there's no and zips about it. I have had more encounters uh, in daylight, like traveling around the farm with massive bucks and there's nothing I can do it except like throw my shoe at it. That's all I can do. <laughs> but it's like these monsters they just know hey hang around the turkey farm around thanksgiving nothing can touch you you're safe Uh, you're safe i'm i'm trying to be smarter than that but at the same time it's like you got to for the sake of the of the family business i gotta take that off but i really try to emphasize that early archery and then late season those two really have worked out well for me um just trying to fill the freezer first with the dough that comes in. If I can get her in archery season, that takes the yoke off the shoulders, that takes the pressure off, and now I get to wait for the buck. And if I can't get them right there during the rut when things kind of calm down, there's enough ag around me that I can take advantage of those patterns starting up again. So I've had experiences at both, which has been great. But at the same time, it's like it's trying to just put all those pieces together, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. It's not grocery shopping, it's hunting.
0: Yeah, there you go. You know, sometimes I think that trying, you know, obviously everyone talks about, um, you know, the chess match with, you know, maybe a certain deer or just, you know, a a good deer. Or, you know, maybe you've got uh, a couple good deer on camera or something that you're, you know, your, your target bucks, let's say. And I don't know what's a bigger chess match. Trying to figure them out or trying to figure out how to stay in the good graces at home knowing that come that first week (laughs) in november second week in november maybe the first week of december right like you're going to be trying to to maximize your time in the field and this happens to me every year where you know it's been you know nine months since we've been able to hunt deer october first rolls around it's like all right i want to i want to hunt this weekend i want to hunt this weekend i want to hunt this weekend you know and this is all like the first three weeks four weeks of october probably first three weeks of October, you know, that opening weekend, you know, maybe you can still catch some stuff and some, you know, some of their summer patterns a little bit, you know, a little bit more likely to show up before everyone starts hitting the woods. And then, you know, after that, things, in my experience, have slowed down for me. Um, you know, usually just hunting the evenings, the mornings, typically I, I've not had a lot of success in. So I, 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 I burn up a lot of that good grace that I've accrued throughout the year. You know, watching the kids. Oh yeah, honey, you go on a trip with the girls, you go do that. I got the kids, don't worry about it, all that. And then yeah, like by Halloween, I'm out. I'm tapped out. And it's like, Well, it is November. It's the first week of November, like I sure would like to uh be in the woods, right? And then of course there's you know, there's Rifle season that opens up, and that's you know that's a holiday here in Michigan in and of itself, so it, you know, I'm not gonna be home for that so I, I I'm never sure which is the the greater chess match, the one I'm playing at home or the one I'm playing out in the field. I tell
1: you it's yeah it I don't know if you ever watched Star Trek, but there was there's always those scenes where they're up in the the galley and there's like the three level chess that they're playing, so. You know, there's the different pieces that go not only forward and back, but they go up and down. And it's like it's a three dimensional task that you're trying to do. Um, I'm sitting here in the basement. And as I'm recording this, I did leave my door open out of my little office here. I have one child watching me right now. And mom is helping pick things up and she's going back and forth. So I really feel the heat. It all of a sudden got like five degrees cooler as we're talking about this chess match and families and seasons and how this all works out. I'd like to say that I have an answer, but I know that I have been in the doghouse many a times for the choices that I've made. And I just try to learn from those, but at the same time, like, brownie points just because you earn them they have a shelf life and it's real quick it is but you can't bank on what you did all summer to last you into uh hunting season it's it's just gonna be one of the like you made the bed that you're sleeping in you might as well just get what get what you can at that point being opportunistic is going to be probably the best thing you can do
0: yeah that's uh that's a very good way to put it um all right nick we've been at it for Gosh, almost an hour here, uh, which is good um, because it means that the conversation's been good. We've had a lot of good laughs that I've appreciated. So <clears throat> before I let you get out of here and let you uh, not have to be in the doghouse tonight, <laughs> where can people find uh, Huntivore at and where can they tune in to you know, learn about wild game cooking, a lot of great recipes, and, and really just, as you mentioned before, the educational side of things?
1: Yeah. Um, you can find uh, Huntivore at Sportsman's Nation I'm a part of that crew there's 20 of us there's 20 different shows um, that really are just guys who have a passion for the outdoors Um, we all have jobs we all have nine to fives and gigs that we have to do on the side but we've really have a passion for what we do uh, in the woods. And so, I mean, there's a ton of shows on there, and I would say join in on mine as well. Um, I really want to be an educational piece. I want to, you know, have some laughs. I want to kick back a few drinks and and talk with people. But I really want to see if I can't help folks uh, with their wild game and how they prepare it and what their final dish is going to be. So you can find me there at Sportsman's Nation um, on Instagram. That seems to be the easiest way that I've been able to then get my content out um, uh, as to what I'm doing at the grill or in the kitchen, and that's at Huntivore. Uh, You can find me there. I'm on Facebook as well, but it's really difficult right now with trying to get that to to take off. Um, But I'm also on Go Wild as well. I'm trying to utilize that more um, as a social platform, and that is I think it's Nick Otto at uh, Gold Wild, but at the same time it has my of War logo on there. So yeah, look up Instagram. You can find me at Sportsman's Nation or wherever you listen to podcast. Um I don't think anybody else has picked up my name so it's you could just type it into Google and find war and uh, it should pop up there for you.
0: Yeah, it's a very unique name but it's also at least for me, it doesn't leave any question as to to what war is and uh yeah the name is spot on. Um, Nick, thank you a ton for joining me today. Uh, I really appreciate it. Had a ton of laughs, like I said, and, uh, look forward to seeing what you cook up on the grill or, or in the kitchen as, uh, we get into hunting season here.
1: Perfect. Perfect. Marcus, thanks for the opportunity and keep your knife sharp, man.
0: All right, man. Take care. All right. Well, there you have it. A big thank you to Nick for coming on and being the first guest on the, uh, Michigan wild podcast be sure to stick around, guys. Uh, We got some great guests coming uh, in future weeks and future episodes that I think you guys are going to really enjoy. So until next week, get outdoors and go explore.